0: All right, man, I feel like we could just call it amen and just go home. We've had church, man. That was awesome. My goodness. Um, Man. But we're not. Don't get your hopes up. I'm totally going to totally gonna yell for at least 20 minutes, okay? So, uh, but hey, uh, hey, before I jump in and pray, I got, I got two things that I want to mention to you, okay? Two things. Uh, speaking of life groups earlier, man, Travis just did such a good job of unpacking why groups matter. And hey, listen, if you're not in a group yet, okay, listen, we've got tons of groups that are meeting right now. They just started like two th- or two, three weeks ago, so it's not too late to join one of our existing groups but we're about to launch a few more groups. We're about to launch a NASCAR fantasy group. So like if you want to, I don't know, are they gambling on the NASCAR games? Because isn't that a sin? I don't know. Somebody let me know if they're gambling or not. Because um, if they are, attendance will shoot through the roof. Um, and so like, but, but there's that and there's, we're, we're having a reading group. And that group's actually going to do some stuff online, get together about once a month. And we're going to have a craft group. And so if you're a little crafty, uh, then you should join the craft group because it's for crafty people, okay? So, uh, but man, join join a group, join a group. Now, one more thing I'm afraid. I I need you to write this down for me, okay? I need you to write this down, and I need all of us to come together and say, man, we're in, we're going to make this happen. It's going to be a big deal. February 22nd. Okay? So you might want to go ahead and get your phone out, put it on your calendar. You know, it's going to be a Sunday. You need to put a reminder for yourself. February 22nd. Here's what we're doing February 22nd. We're bringing every person we've ever met in our lives to church February 22nd. Okay? That is two weeks, y'all. Look at the person next to you and say, two weeks, y'all. Two weeks, y'all. It's two weeks, y'all. Two weeks, y'all. We are starting a brand new series called Expiration Date and get people here february 22nd get people into the forum february 22nd that don't go to church so this is not hey bring your friends from another church to your church no it's not that day this is bring people that don't go to church at all that man they don't go to church they don't believe in god they're not a christian bring your friends that you are praying for to meet jesus here february 22nd it, the First day of this uh, 2015, we did a thing, My Five in 2015, picking five people that we want to see Jesus save in 2015. February 22nd would be a great day to bring all five. Okay? I'm just saying. All right? So February 22nd, y'all bring somebody. All right, let's pray. We're going to pray. We're going to jump in. It's going to be a good day. All right. Jesus, thank you for today. Jesus, thank you for what we've just sang, what we've just spoken over our lives that your name is marvelous and that your name is wonderful. And we declare that right now. And so, God, I pray that you would come and help me right now proclaim truth and to talk truth today. God, more than saying things that are right, we want want right things to go down into the deepest levels of who we are. Because there are people in this room right now and their lives are being torn apart with fear, with anxiety with anger their families being torn apart as they see their kids making decisions and they can't stop them people in this room are trying to save marriages there are people in this room they tried to save the marriage and the marriage failed anyway there are people in the room right now struggling with addiction and god we could go on and on and you, but you know us and so god We don't want to simply say right things and then go home. We want to meet with you here. And God, your word is alive, and it can pierce down to the deepest parts of who we are. So let that happen right now. Have your way. And God, we just acknowledge that there is an enemy. The devil is real, and he hates what we are doing. So God, help us to just lean in, to hear your voice, keep us from anything that he would try to throw at us in this room right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm convinced that one of the uh, most dangerous things, one of the most dangerous things, and at the same time, one of the things that has the ability to draw us in, to, to cause us to hit pause on life, to, to get us to stop what we're doing so that we can watch it. One of the most dangerous things, and, and at the same time things that have the ability to draw us in, at the same time, is fire. Fire right? Fire. I mean, there's nothing, one of the most dangerous things in the world is fire. I mean, even if you have the stove on in your house, you're cooking something, your kids come near, you say what? Don't get near. Don't touch because you know that if you get too close, if you touch it, you could get hurt. I mean, we've all seen those news stories, haven't we? We've all seen those news stories about like wildfires that break out somewhere, and that fire, it just goes and goes and goes. And it just seems like they try to throw so many resources at it sometimes, but it just doesn't stop. And we've seen those news stories, haven't we? Where, where they, they go into neighborhoods, police, firefighters, people go into neighborhoods and they evacuate neighborhoods and people just wait till the last second, don't they, to leave their house and and the news cameras are there, the footage is there where, where there's the neighborhood, there's the yard and there's the picket fence and the dog and everything like that and everything looks normal and they say, no, 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 you've got to go, you've got to go, you've got to go. I know you don't see it, I know you don't know it's coming, but it is coming and so everybody leaves, they go back an hour later and it's all, gone we've seen that right in in fact um i actually wanted to try to build a fire up here uh today but they thought it wasn't a good idea to burn this building down since we don't own it so in the building that we are building i'll do things like that regularly just set things on fire Um, but i went to youtube and i good and i've youtube uh things set on fire which you should do it's a blast. Uh, And I found this video. So if we could just get the lights completely down in here, check this out. This has no audio, but watch this. Go Go ahead and start that video if we can. So this is a camera that was attached to a tree, and this fire was set. They just wanted to see how quick it comes and the temperature. So watch this, how fast the temperature rises. So you see that little black line that's going up? That's gauging the temperature. Look at that. Just in a matter of seconds, we're at 400 degrees. This is in real time. 500, everything's consumed, we're at 600, we're at 700, we're at 800 degrees. And it's going to go over 800 degrees. It's actually going to go up to 900, almost to 900 degrees. This video is barely over 30 seconds long. There it is, it's over. Did you see that? Because fire consumes everything in its path, doesn't it? Fire just consumes everything in front of it. So so fire is is dangerous. You've got to flee. You've got to run. It's coming. It consumes everything. And at the same time, it's got the ability to draw us in, doesn't it? Right? I mean, if you have a fireplace and and you you get the fire started in the fireplace, what are you going to do there? You're going to watch the fire, aren't you? You're going to sit there and you're going to be like just watching fire, right? Like, I lay my cards on the table. I'm not a pyromaniac, but I like a good fire. Anybody with me, right? Like, I mean, don't we do that? We drive down the road. We're driving. Fire! Right? Slow down. Kids look fire! Right? And they think that dad's crazy because they're obsessed with fire. It's dangerous, and it draws us in. And you know what? If there is, If I could give us a picture today, For how God feels right now about every man and woman in this room, every teenager in this room, and every child in this room, and and every adult grandparent, every it doesn't matter who you are or what you do, if I could give us a picture today of how God feels about every one of us, it's that picture right there. It's the video that we just saw. It It is a picture of a raging, consuming fire. You say, wow, so he's really ticked off then, isn't he? No. And maybe that's what you've heard, that God has ticked off at you. And so you see that and you look at that picture and you think, oh, wow, that is probably how God feels about me because I can barely get my act together. I'm so messed up. That's it. That is how God feels about me. God is angry. No, no, no. That's not a picture of the anger of God towards you today. Instead, that is a picture of the raging, consuming, relentless love of God that wants to consume our lives today. In fact, the Bible talks about it over and over. This idea of, of the, of the never-ending, never-stopping, relentless, consuming everything in its path love of God. But the Bible will talk about it this way. When it calls God a jealous God, So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn that Bible on on your phone. And we're actually going to be in three different places. Now, we're going to land in the book of James. So if you kind of want to turn on there, that's fine, the James chapter 4. But we're going to be in two passages in Exodus. Excuse me. Two passages in Exodus. And we're going to land in James 4. All those things are going to be on the screen behind me there uh, in just a second. So if you don't want to turn to the Exodus passages, you just want to stay in James, whatever you want to do. But we're going to be in a couple of different passages today. So the first one, I want to read these right in a row, right in a row. First passage we're in today is Exodus chapter 20. It's going to be up on the screen here in just a second. Exodus 20. And the context of Exodus 20 is God has given the top 10. You know what I'm saying? This is the Ten Commandments. So if you're not a church person, you've heard of the Ten Commandments. Maybe you saw it on somebody's, uh, in somebody's yard on a sign or whatever, but this is God giving the Ten Commandments. And listen to Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. Watch this, is on the screen. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a what? Jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. I don't know if we have verse 6 on the screen, but listen to verse 6. Showing steadfast love. Steadfast. Never stops. Never relents. Consumes everything in its past path. Steadfast love. To thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Listen to Exodus chapter, uh, Exodus chapter, the next one, chapter 30, chapter 34, rather, verse 14. Listen to Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. It's real quick, but watch this. God says this, you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is what? His name is jealous. If God had a nickname, it's jealous. God had a middle name, it's jealous. The Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. And just so we can take off the table any idea that the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New, have you ever heard of that? There's this idea in the church that the God of the Old Testament is all wrath and he's angry all the time, but somewhere along the way, God, God stops throwing a temper tantrum, he hits puberty, and then he matures, and then we get to the New Testament, he's leveled off, Right? That the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are different because God's angry in the Old Testament. He's all love in the New Testament, and that's not true. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, who's the God today. Amen? So God doesn't change. There's no imperfection in God. So God has always and always will be God. But just so that we can see, this is everywhere in the Bible. And it's more places than we're at right now, but I want us to land here. James chapter 4, verse 5. Watch this. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose... That the Scripture says, he, talking about God, God yearns jealously over the Spirit that he's made to dwell in us. Now, we don't really like jealous people, do we? Can we be honest? We don't really like jealous people. FYI, if somebody comes to you and says you're a jealous person, they're not paying you a compliment, amen? Right? They're not trying to get on your good side. I'm just bringing out your good points. Jealous. Right? Right? We don't like jealous people. But here, all over the Bible, God's a jealous God. So what do we do with that? Well, see, there's a massive difference in the way that you and I are jealous and the way that God is jealous. Because you and I, we get jealous of Almost everything. I mean, there's no limits to the things that you and I can get jealous of. We can get jealous of people. We can get jealous of relationships. We can get jealous of somebody's dog. We can get jealous of somebody's car. We can get jealous of somebody's lawn. We can get jealous of somebody's life that they keep posting on Facebook. We can compare it to our life. Our life stinks compared to their Facebook life. I hate you. Right? They take better vacations. They eat better meals. And we're jealous of them. And listen to me, 100% of the time, jealousy that we have, jealous of certain things, 100% of the time, jealousy reveals fear and insecurity in our own lives. That's what it shows. See, God has never been jealous of anything in his existence, and he never will be. God's not jealous of anything, but God is jealous for something. God doesn't get jealous of things, He gets jealous for things. We can say it this way if you're taking notes, that God isn't jealous of anything, but He is jealous for His creation. God is jealous for His creation. See, the jealousy of God is this burning passion that God has for every area of our lives. The the jealousy of God is this burning passion that God has that, that He would have all of our hearts, all of our worship, all of our lives. And God, the moment that we meet Him, God begins this relentless conquest of getting more and more of our hearts so that we will worship Him because He wants all of it. He is passionate about it. He is fired up about it. God is consumed with jealousy for his people, that they would worship him in every area of their lives. Jesus said it this way. Jesus at one point has asked, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says this verse. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with how much? All your heart. Not 50% of your heart. Not even 85%. Not even 95% of your heart. All your heart. He doesn't stop there. Jesus says, with all your mind, not 85% of your mind, 95% of your mind, all your mind. With all your heart, and with all your, all, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all that you are, he is jealous for all of it. And see, maybe you're hearing that, and, you, and, you, and listen to me, you're hearing, you're not a church person, somebody invited you, you don't really know how you landed in that seat today, but you're just trying to figure out this whole God thing, and you're thinking, wow, that sounds Crazy. I don't know how I feel about that. That sounds like like if I give my life to God because maybe I'm kicking the tires on this whole spirituality thing, I'm kind of exploring that. Man, that just sounds really threatening to me that God would want all of me. That that just sounds like something so scary to me. It sounds like I could lose something that's really precious to me if God gets all of me. Listen to me. The more God gets of you, that's the freest place you'll ever be. It is. It is. The more God gets of you, that's the freest place that you'll ever be. And listen, if you're here, you're not a Christian, you're not a church person, agree with me, would you, that there have been times when you thought certain things were going to set you free. You did it, you took it, you bought it, you went there, and then all of a sudden you felt more stuck afterwards than you did before. Instead of freedom, you felt like a slave. Or maybe, maybe yeah, there was that high, there was that rush from it, but eventually it wore off and you had to get something else. And instead of freedom, you still felt stuck. And the reason for that is because of what we talked about the first week in this series is that you weren't made for things that you can buy. You weren't made for things that you can get in the store. You were made for transcendence. See, the jealousy of God is this burning passion that God has for His creation, for His people. The jealousy of God, church, is that God would make a reality in in our lives on Monday what we sing and say on Sunday. The jealousy of God is that what we just sang about, what we talk about here today, it'll be true in our lives tomorrow, and it'll be true in our lives the day after that, and every single day, because God wants all of you. God is a jealous God who has a burning passion, and that burning passion is a love of for his creation so what is God jealous for we could talk about all kinds of different things but what is God jealous for today let me just narrow down a few things I'll narrow down three of them first thing God's jealous for you God is jealous for you today teenagers listen to me God is jealous for you today adults lean in a little bit God is jealous for you did you know that God is jealous for your time He's jealous for your worship. God is jealous. He wants your your love and affection. He's jealous for your lives. So we go back to Exodus. And when God in Exodus is given the top ten, and don't when we read the Ten Commandments, when we think the Ten Commandments, don't we just read that with the idea that God is furious, right? Right? Like God is just thundering down from Mount Sinai and there's Charlton Heston and God's voice is just thundering down from Mount Sinai. And so when God says, don't worship anything but me or I'll smoke you out. Right? Isn't that kind of how we read the Ten Commandments? Some of you, that's just how you view God in general. But see, when God in Exodus 20 says, Listen, guys, don't worship anything but me. Don't make another idol. Don't worship anything. Don't bow down to anything other than me. God is really saying this. Listen, that idol that you make, anything that you bow down to other than me, it can't save you. It can't satisfy you. Can't provide for you. Israel, I brought you out of slavery. Nothing else you'll ever bow down to can set you free the way that I can set you free. And so God is is calling them to not worship. Here's an Old Testament word, idols. And we don't do that today, do we? Thankfully, idol worship is something that just happened in the Old Testament, right? Right? Thankfully, idol worship is something that's only happening in like third world, far corners of the world right now where none of us know. They're bowing down to images. They're bowing down to statues and shrines. Idol worship is gone, isn't it? No, it's not. See, here's what idol worship is. And you might not have a shrine in your house or a statue at your house that, hey guys, it's time to bow down to the statue. You know, you don't have that, you know, or anything like that. But here's what idol worship is idol worship is worshiping anything other than God, period. That's what idol worship is. Idol worship is worshiping anything other than God. And so I want to ask you a question today, and I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to do anything, let your neighbor know your answer. You don't have to write your answer down. I'm going to ask you a question to help you uncover the idols in your life. Because maybe you're listening to this, oh, man, you know what? I'm not worshiping anything else. There's no idols in my life. Let me ask you one question. And here's the rules for my game I'm about to play, okay? Here's the rules for the game we're about to play. First thing that comes to your mind, that's your answer, okay? Okay? First thing that comes to your mind, that's your answer. I'm going to ask a question, and the first thing that comes to your mind is the answer. I'm going to ask a question, and the first thing that comes to your mind is the what? The answer. Now, I've done this before at Summit, and somebody in this room knows what I'm about to do, and so you're sitting in your seat, and you're doing this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Woo! That's what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. Stop it. Stop it, all right? Here's the question. Here's a question. What's the one thing in your life that if you lost it today, you don't think you could go on? There's your answer. What's the one thing in your life that if you lost it today, it went away from you this afternoon, removed from your life today, you don't think you could go on? That's your idol. So, Mark, I thought of my kids. Mark, I thought of my spouse. of my job. What's wrong with those things? Nothing's wrong with those things in and of themselves. In fact, I'd say 95, more than that, I'd say 98% of people in here, when I asked that, you thought of something good, right? Most people in the room, when I asked, hey, what's the one thing in your life you lost today you couldn't go on? Most people in the room didn't say, crack, right? You didn't do that math. You didn't do that. Right? Most of you thought of something good, and that's the problem. Here's why. Because human beings have the ability to take good things and make them God things. That's why a lot of parents worship and live through their kids. That's why a lot of people worship and live through their next paycheck, worship and live through their job. And so, yeah, you don't have a shrine to that. You don't bow down to it. You don't have to because it's already taken the place, the seat in your heart that rightfully belongs to Jesus. Jesus. And listen, when we bow down to kids, when we bow down to anything other than God, whatever it is we're bowing down to, we will crush it under the weight of our own expectations. We will. Listen to me, parents. That's why if you're worshiping your kids and you're pushing your kids and you want to see something through your kids and happen in your kids' lives so that it can fulfill you, so that it can fill a void in your life, listen, you will push them away from God instead of towards Him. Because if we worship anything other than, he, other than God, it will be crushed under the weight of our own expectations. That's why James in chapter 4, verse 5, he says that God yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in us. And there's some conversation among Bible scholars as to what that means. Because it could, go, it could go a couple of different ways. Because he says, it yearns jealously over the Spirit that God's made to dwell in us. Well, what's the Spirit? Is, it this, is the Spirit that he's talking about the Holy Spirit who lives inside of every Christian? Or is the Spirit that he's talking about the fact that God's made every single human being with a soul? And you know what most people think it means? Both. Most people think it means both, so that God is jealous over your soul today. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, God's made you for more, and he is saying to you, listen, today is the day we turn around. Today is the day you get a second chance. You don't have to try to clean yourself off first. Christianity is not for people who have it all together or for perfect people. Christianity is for people who simply know they need a Savior. Jesus died for you. You come to him today. God is jealous for your soul, but also if you're here today, you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is jealous that you and I would worship God and God alone. He's jealous for you. Not only is God jealous for you, did you know that God is jealous for our church? God is jealous for this church. The book of Revelation, it opens up with seven letters that Jesus writes to seven different churches. One of them in Revelation 3 is a letter to a church in a city named Laodicea. And, and this church is awesome, apparently. This church is massive. They have tons of people, and they just have an amazing building and facilities. They do all kinds of stuff in the city of Laodicea. This is the church where things are happening. They're rocking, and they're rolling. And Jesus comes and says, you guys have a problem. Watch their problem. Look at this verse. So then because you are lukewarm, everybody say lukewarm so I know you're still here. Lukewarm. You're lukewarm. You're neither cold nor hot. I love this. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm. Here's a church where the doors are open, people are singing and things are happening, people are saying the right things, and God is saying, you make me sick. God is saying, Laodicea, you look good on the outside, but inside you make me want to Vomit. I am hopelessly addicted to coffee. Anyone else with me? In heaven, we will sit with Jesus, we will sing with Jesus, and we will drink coffee with Jesus. I cannot find any Bible verse at all, but I, that's got to be true. And if it's not true, can we begin to pray that that would happen? Have you ever grabbed a cup of coffee and you're, this is going to be so good, oh, hot steaming good coffee, and you get it in your mouth, it's cold. Oh, my gosh, it's lukewarm. There's nothing nastier than lukewarm coffee. Can I get a witness? Let's get Pentecostal. Come on, pull out a tambourine or something. My gosh. Do this. I did this a couple of weeks ago. Pull out, drink some coffee. It's going to be good. That's awful. God says, Laodicea, you're like that. You look good, but if we look under the hood, church, there's no passion for God. There's no fire for God. There's no hunger for more of God in your midst. You're saying right things. You're doing right things. The doors are open. Who cares? Oh, let me get honest for a second. We are in a dangerous time for our church. Let me just have a family meeting. with. If somebody's your church, I need you here. I need you to lean in. We are at a dangerous point in our church right now. See, now I got your attention. We're at a dangerous time for our church. Here's why we're at a dangerous time for our church. We're four years old. Did you know that? We're four years old. And and here's the way church planting works, okay? Here's how church planting works. The first two years, the big big thing in the first two years, if you're a brand new church, is will you make it? 80% of church plants, new churches, shut down in their first two years, 80%. If you can make it over the two-year hump, then, then, the th- then, then everybody says, you know what? You're good. You're going to be able to keep the lights on. You're going to be able to keep the doors open. You're probably going to be able to pay the bills. But here's what happens to churches between years 3 to year 10. What happens for churches between, from 3 to year 10 is they say, you know what? We made it over the hump. We, we got, we're, we're bringing in enough. We can keep the lights on. We can keep the doors open. We can have church every single week. And a lot of churches shift in the neutral, and they say, that's good. And they just begin to exist. And yeah, they might throw something at the community every once in a while. And yeah, they might have an event every once in a while. And they might look good. But if you look under the hood, there is no passion for God, no fire for God, no hunger for God. That church is lukewarm. And listen to me, a lukewarm church will never reach this city. It will never reach this city. Because Jesus is passionate. God is jealous You can clap, man. You can tweet because I'm loving this sermon I'm preaching. This is a good sermon so far. I don't know what you think. I'm loving this sermon. I will preach it. I will preach it. I got a few more minutes before I got to clock out. That was awesome. Because God is jealous for this city. Did you know that? And a lukewarm church is not going to reach this city. And so, yeah, we can have the doors open and and the band is rocking and we can have some captivating sermons and we can have some great things for kids and we can build a building. Buildings are the places where a lot of churches go to die, Summit. Did you know that? And I just want to say, as the pastor of this church, we are not slowing down. We are not shifting into neutral. There's addictions that need to be broken. There are people that need to be reached. As long as hell is open, we are going forward. And listen... If you don't like that, if you don't like, because everybody ain't clapping, look at them real mean. If you don't like that, you stick around, and I'm going to be like the bad rash that ointment won't get rid of because I'm going to tick you off because we're not stopping. Because the kingdom is advancing, so will we. The kingdom is advancing, so will we. God is jealous for this church, and God is jealous for this region. God is jealous for this region. There is not a person who has OD'd that has not yet broken the heart of God. It breaks God's heart every time. Every time. And God looks at this region and He is jealous. He is passionate about being worshiped in this region. He is hungry to be worshiped in Hazard. He is hungry to be worshiped in your school. He's hungry to be worshiped where you work and where you live. God is passionate. He is jealous about it. God is jealous about you. He's jealous for this church. He's jealous for this region. The question is, are you? Are you jealous for the things that God is jealous of? Are you passionate about the things that God is jealous of? Is there hunger in your heart for the things that God has a hunger in his heart for? Or did you just go to church today? Did you just show up? And listen, listen, it is important to say right things and sing songs with right doctrine and things like that. But Jesus talked about the Pharisees and he said this, these people's lips are close to me, but their hearts are far from me. Meaning that you can say right things and not give a rip about God. Are you passionate about the things that God is passionate for? Are you jealous for the things that God is jealous for, for you? Or do you just say yes to every temptation that comes your way? You get, that text message, you get that text message from that guy, hey, why don't you come over, my wife's out of town. And you just go over. Get that snap from that, on Snapchat from that person. They're sending you stuff, and you just send them something right back. God tells you to take the next step. I'll do it next week, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next week. Three years later, we're still waiting for next week. And you wonder why your walk with God is so cold right now. Are you jealous for the things that God is jealous for? Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, no, I'm not. Man, I'm not, Mark. Mark, I feel like my relationship with God is like a big glacier. It's just kind of following me everywhere I go. I used to be really on fire, really hungry, really passionate, and I'm not. What do I do? Mark, how do I start a fire for God in my life? Let me tell you three things very quickly and then we're done. How do you want, you want to start a fire for God, a passion for God in your life? You want to be jealous for the things of God in your life? You need three things. First thing you need is the right environment. You need the right environment because, listen, you can't start a fire in a place that's just soaking wet and it's not good ground to start a fire. You need the right environment if you're going to build a fire. And the environment where God wants to build a fire in your life is your heart. Maybe today you just need to go to God and say, God, I confess that I am lukewarm. I confess that mediocrity is what I've settled for in my Christian life. I confess I keep giving in to every temptation. God, I confess I'm living by fear and not faith. God, I confess I've, I've got this thing in my life you've been telling me to let it go. And God, my heart is not right. Maybe you need to pray the prayer that David prayed when he prayed, God, search my heart. Search my heart today, Jesus. We need the right environment, meaning we get our hearts ready so that God can spark a fire in our hearts. But not only that, the second thing we need, if we want to start a fire, you want to start being passionate and jealous for the things of God, you want to catch a fire for God in your life, you need to embrace the ordinary. You need to embrace the ordinary. I don't have it up here today. But you know what? If we were out, and we were out stranded in the woods somewhere, and we needed to start a fire, we could grab some sticks, we could get some leaves, and we could get some rocks, we could strike them together, and eventually we'd we'd start a fire, wouldn't we? I know that's true. I saw Tom Hanks do it in Castaway. And Tom Hanks wouldn't lie to me, right? But it's just ordinary sticks, ordinary rocks, ordinary elements. We strike together, you can start a fire. And I feel like the church has the same thing. Because if you're in church world long enough, you'll talk to somebody and you'll talk to somebody about a problem and they'll say this, you need to read the Bible more. You need to pray harder. And, and for a lot of people in the room, and I've talked to some of you, for a lot of us in the room, that's such an ordinary go-to cop-out answer. We feel like what's happened is secretly there's been this idea in our minds that we look at the Bible and we say, what good's that going to do? Prayer, what good's that? That's never helped me yet. And so you're opening this thing and you're doing the deal, but secretly, that ain't going to help. But what is this? What is, what is this? This is the Word of God. This is written by God. God speaks through this book. Did you know that God created the universe with His Word? Did you know that God caused people who were paralyzed to all of a sudden get up and walk with His Word? What could a Word of God, what could a Word from God do in your life? What if you went to God every day and said, God, I'm not going to leave this until I hear your voice? What if you pulled out your phone during lunch and just for five minutes you opened up the YouVersion app or whatever Bible app you've downloaded on your phone and you said, God, i got five minutes. i got to hear from you because i got a meeting with my boss this afternoon and that guy gets on my nerves. I'm going to punch my boss if you don't speak to me right now. What if you did that? What you just got desperate for God said, God, I got to hear from you today. That's what God wants with His Word in your life or prayer. Prayer isn't talking to the ceiling. Prayer is talking to the God of the universe. God, I'm so cold right now. I'm not where I used to be. I need you. I want you to work in my life. And I'm telling you, the right environment, you embrace the ordinary. God, I want to hear from you in your word. God, I'm coming to you in prayer, hungry for a fire. I'm telling you, it might not start a fire the first time, the second time, but eventually you're going to catch a spark. And when the spark comes, that's the third thing, fan the flame. Fan the flame. Paul tells Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy to fan the flame of the gift of God inside of your life. Fan the flame. You start a fire, you can't just leave it on its own because eventually it'll what? It'll die out. You want to start a fire for God in your life? You've got to tend to it over and over and over and over. But listen to me, God is jealous for you. If you blew it this week and you did the thing that you so, you told God last Sunday you'd never do again and you walked in today and you feel like a failure, I want you to know God is jealous for you and He's looking at your life and He says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm in this with you. I love you. If you're here and you're looking around and you're thinking, man, everybody is so much more spiritual than I am, you need to know that we're all messed up. Amen? Amen. We're all messed up. There's only one perfect man among us, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus looks at your life, and he's jealous over your life, and he says, look, you're not where you used to be. And yeah, you're not where you're going to be, but you're further down the road. And I am going to get you there because I am a jealous God, a God that that's relentless, a God that pursues. I refuse to give up on your life. I love you too much. That's what God says to you today. Or you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus. And you did not anticipate anything coming out of this morning. But something is happening inside of you right now, and you know that you need God. And I want to tell you that if that's you today, you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I need Jesus in my life. I don't know what's going on right now. This feels crazy, but I know that I need God. I want you to know that is God. God is speaking to you right now, and He's saying, Come. Today is the day of salvation. And right there in your seat, if you ask Jesus to save you, He promises He will do it. Would you pray with me? And we're going to pray and and listen. God is about, God God is moving. And this is a time to deal with God. And so unless you've got an emergency, let's let's stay as still as possible right now. Let's stay as still as possible so that we can hear God's voice. God, with every single head bowed, with every single eye closed, I know that right now you are a jealous God. You're passionate about us. You're you're hungry to be worshipped more in our lives, in our church, in this region. And a cold church, a lukewarm church is not gonna reach this city and Jesus you didn't die to give us cold dead lifeless church services you died so that we would be a people on fire for you and so God if there is people here today if there are people in this room right now if they need to let go of things in their heart give them the strength to let it go because on the other side is freedom if there are people in this room right now and they just need to confess to you God they've settled for mediocrity. mediocrity they've settled for the status quo and that's not your will for their life Pray they confess it today. If there are people here today, they just need to get back on track with you. Today has been a wake-up call that they they can't hit the snooze snooze button on the phone right now. God, you're speaking to them and you're saying, "Listen, it's time to get back on track." I want you to be as jealous for me as I am of you. God, do whatever you need to do in that heart. Or oh God, for the person that needs to give you their life today, I pray you give them the courage to make that move, the courage and the strength. To make that decision. No one is looking around. No one is peeking. No one's watching what's happening right now except for God, and, and He's the only one that matters. I want to ask you today... If God has spoken to you and you're sitting in your seat and you're saying, God, I want to be jealous for you the way that you are of me. I want a fire for you to burn in my heart. God, I want to be passionate for you. I want to be sold out to you. I want to be on fire for you. Would you just raise your hand right now to say that's the decision you're making? Shoot your hand in the air right now. If you're saying, God, I want that kind of passion in my life. There's a hand right there. There's hands going up all over this room. Hands are going up all over. Listen. Those of you with your hand up, if you've got your hand up, I don't know what God's doing in your life and I don't know where you've been, but there are people already up at, this, up at this altar up at the front here praying. If you just raised your hand and God's moving in your life, if you need to come up here and pray, you come up here and pray and you beg God to start a fire in your life. You get on your face before God and ask Him to, to start a new fire in your life. People are moving. If you need to come, come. If you need to go to the back and talk to somebody and be encouraged, you go to the back and don't walk through what you're walking through alone but you know what Jesus just has more for us this Sunday he's calling you to walk with him with your life and if you're in that seat and God is speaking to you and he's saying it's time to ditch mediocrity settling for the status quo in your relationship with me I want to start a fire in your life if that's what you want you come if that's what you want you come maybe you need to go and talk to somebody you make that move people are coming up here maybe today you need to go to Jesus for the very first time and give him your life you know 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ loved you so much he left heaven went to a cross and died for your sin, so that today you could be forgiven for your sin you can get a second chance you can get complete forgiveness you can get eternal life today Mark, how do I do that? What decisions do I need to make? What changes do I need to make first? None. You just need to come. You just need to go to Jesus in prayer, and you can do that right there where you're at. Go to Jesus in prayer and say, Jesus, I want you to save me. So listen, if you are here today and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, you are not too far gone for God not to step into your life and change everything. You're closer to God right now than you've ever been. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Start a fire in me. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you came back to life for me. I give my life to you today for the first time. Amen. No one is looking. No one looking. Did you just pray that prayer? If you today are making the decision to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want Him to be your Lord, you want Him to be your Savior, you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to count to three. As soon as I say three, raise your hand high in the air so that I can see it and celebrate with you today. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today. If you're here in this room and you need to be saved and you want Jesus to step into your life, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now if that's you. And if you are here, there's a hand right there in the back. Anyone else? God bless you for that hand in the back. If you are making that decision, I want you to do something. I just want you to look at me. Put your hands down and look at me. Look at me right now. Just look me in the eye. Listen, God doesn't want you to keep that decision to yourself. So here's what we here's what here's what we've asked. We're asking you to do. When you walked in today, we gave you a connection card. There's a box on the back of that card that says, I gave my life to Christ. If you're making that decision today, check that box. Check that box. And in just a moment, when we dismiss, there's going to be volunteers all over. You can drop it in a basket. Drop that card in a basket. But here's what I'd rather you do. We've got a free Bible for you and a book that's called Seek First. It's right there in the back. You can give somebody there that card, and they'll just give you that Bible and that book. No questions asked today. But don't leave until you let someone know what God is doing in your life today. Don't leave until you let someone know the decision you just made. Jesus, thank you that you are strong and powerful to save, that Jesus, you're alive. Thank you that people have made decisions to cross from death to life today. God, thank you that people have have cried out to you and they've said, the status quo is gone. I'm done living this second-class Christianity. God, if you want me to be on fire for you, then I want it. I want to be passionate for you. We want to be a church that's on fire for you. We want to be a church that's passionate about you being worshiped in this region. And so, God, don't let today end with today. Let it spark a fire that continues, Jesus, until you come and bring us home. In your name, amen. Church, let's thank God for today. And listen, listen, before you leave, If you made a decision to give your life to Christ, please check that box in the back of that card and drop it in the baskets or just give it back there so we can give you a Bible. And that uh, that green book's called Seek First. Hey, if you're here for the VIP event, it starts right now, right there. I would love to meet you for just about 10 minutes right there today. Guys, you are dismissed. See you hopefully at a life group. If not, see you next week.
1: His love endures forever For He is good, He is above all things This love endures forever, the grace of God we will carry on, this love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise.